Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Masson All Access podcast presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. Learn more at boldlynova.com. Welcome into the Masson Web Studio. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. And maybe you're checking us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to the Masson All Access podcast at Amy Jennings News for Amy. At Bobby underscore Blanco. Nationals were off on Monday, coming back from a three-city West Coast road trip, beginning a quick six-game homestand this week. The weather back in D.C. has went from trash to absolutely <laughs> beautiful, so we should have a good week of baseball on tap for you from Nationals Park on Masson. Aside from the weather, Amy, how was your last week? It, it was good. I, your um, first full week, full-time. Yeah, my first full week, full-time. Honestly, it felt kind of long. I feel like the Nationals, <laughs> I know they have been on the West Coast forever, but it seems like it, they've been out there extra long. Uh, it feels like forever since there's been a game at Nats Park, but it was good. My dad and brother had their regional tournament this weekend. Not great results, oh, no. but, you know, still baseball nonetheless. And my brother, my baby brother played his last baseball game. At which high school? Is, um, college. College level. Yeah. So, That's pretty sad. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Did you get, like, the jersey and, like, the frame? and no. everything hat something but they should do that well they have to turn they have to turn return, all back in yeah, yeah. or turn their maybe, stuff maybe but they can print like jerseys and have yeah. them or something. do something special like a stat line or something at the bottom with a that'd be kind of cool yeah. to hang up in the, in the jennings idea. household yeah, yeah there we hey, go birthday present or christmas present uh-huh. something kind of, look at bobby with the ideas about. how was your week uh it was good i um yeah the weather was garbage but we, my family and i we we had scheduled a uh a little trip to the beach this weekend Ooh. for a little family gathering and uh you know, was supposed to conclude our uh, celebration of life of my grandfather who passed away in december um but with the poor weather we ended up not doing our little like ceremony whatever he had requested um so we're gonna hold off on that maybe till uh later in the summer or even the fall um you know, he, he was cremated, so we just have his ashes. So there's no rush to do any of this stuff, which is nice. But it was kind of like this was the one weekend we had planned months ago. Right. Um, and then, you know, I, I, of course, I had to take off work. So it's obviously a busy time of year for us. Um, and then to get down there and not be able to do it. But it was still a fun weekend. We all got together. We just hung out the entire time. Um, got to watch some late night baseball, watch mm-hmm. the Capitals earlier in the day on Saturday. Did you see the Commanders and a bunch of Nats players at the yeah, caps game last night that's awesome we talk about it all the time all the time it gets when they, so jacked yeah, up i when, love it so when much when they support each other it's just so fun and to see the highlights like mm-hmm. you know of even not just the capitals uh you know like teams across across hockey and seeing like their baseball teams there at the games like i know yankees players were yeah. you know at the um, Rangers game at the Rangers game and seeing all of those highlights and when they find like see themselves on the the big screen or yeah. whatever and they do something crazy like chug a beer or something yeah. uh but that's always fun when they they support each other yeah we know how close that the nationals and the capitals are each of them celebrating their championships a couple of years ago with each other which is pretty cool um juan soto kyle finnegan uh paulo espino uh eric fetty davy martinez tim bogar a bunch of the coaching staff and uh, and players were at the game last night. Uh, not the result the Capitals wanted, but still cool to see 
the Nats players and even the Commanders players go out and support the local teams uh, because obviously the Nationals had the night off. The Caps or the Commanders are in their off season, so that was pretty fun um, to see. We're gonna get into speaking of your first week, Amy. We we put you threw you right in the fire <laughs> after we did our podcast last week. You headed down to Bowie where the Double mm-hmm. A Harrisburg Senators were playing the boat the Bowie Bay Sox, <laughs> um, and you grabbed a couple of interviews with some of the top prospects at Double A for the Nationals. So later on, well, you're going to hear some of the interviews with Cole Henry and Evan Lee, some pitching prospects in the National mm-hmm. System that you talked to down at Bowie. That'll be at the end of the show. A majority of our show today is going to be talking about what has surprised us so far in the first month of the season. We're a month in, uh, pretty good sample sizes of some numbers and and performances. So we're going to talk about what has been unexpected so far. But some housekeeping news real quick, Amy, to discuss um, some news coming over the weekend. Actually, it was mostly on Sunday. Let's start with um, the injury updates on Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross. Uh, We know that they both uh, were finally taking the mound against live batters at some point last week. David Martinez confirming on Sunday pregame that they will both be throwing simulated games this week up to two innings against teammates in West Palm Beach, beginning their process of building up their arms. And if all all goes well, they will be putting on five-day rotations uh, and be hopefully soon cleared to begin rehab assignments with some minor league affiliates. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, the sooner you get these guys back, the better. But the main thing is that they're building their arms up and they're up, you know, up to speed and they're healthy. These are two guys that, you know, this isn't their first rodeo when it comes to injuries. And so you want to make sure that they're 100 percent healthy. Obviously, the Nationals will. um, But exciting to see that they are making progress um, in, in their recovery. Strasburg is recovering from last summer's thoracic outlet surgery. And Joe Ross had surgery in early March to remove a bone spur from his elbow, same elbow that he had Tommy John surgery on a couple of years ago. Luckily, no another TJ surgery was not needed. So hopefully those guys are on track to possibly return to the Nationals rotation in June, maybe July, maybe even after the All-Star break. I think the Nationals will be very cautious with both of these guys. Uh, of course, both Tommy John guys, both coming off injury plague seasons the past couple of years. So they will be slowly and steadily coming back up. I don't think we'll see them rush back up. There's no need right now. And what, mm-hmm. I'll kind of touch on this a little bit more when we talk about our surprising, but they're, the Nationals almost have an influx of starters right now. So there is no real need to rush them up here because the Nationals have five, six, you can even include Paulo Espino as seven guys who can make starts for them right now exactly. in the rotation. So we can talk about that a little bit later as we get into our surprising uh, storylines for the first month of the season. Another news that came down on Sunday, this is from... Uh, Matt, uh, Dan Colco on the Masson broadcast. Gerardo Parra, Baby Shark, joining the Nationals front office as a special assistant to general manager Mike Rizzo. Parra, of course, tried to make the opening day roster in spring training. Uh, he was signed to a minor league contract, did not make the club, uh, was given the chance to start the season up at AAA Rochester. I actually was wondering about what was going on with Parra because we knew that he was you know, given that option, but he wasn't on the roster and, of course, not playing. So you're kind of wondering what was going on. And I guess Parra officially announces his retirement from the game, at least playing the game, but will join the Nationals front office 
as a special assistant to Mike Rizzo. So baby shark sticking around in the D.C. area. <laughs> yeah, he'll retire at 35 years old. He'll finish with the 275 batting average, a 725 uh, OPS and over 1,300 hits and t- 269 doubles um, in, in his 12 big league seasons. So congrats to him. It's cool to see him stick around. We know how important he was to this team, especially back in 2019 when they won the World Series. Uh, he was a great um part of the, the clubhouse um just an all-around team guy and i think this is this is good for his career and for the nationals oh well, it, it's a great great career for him 12 mm-hmm. seasons uh he played parts of 12 seasons with the diamondbacks the brewers the orioles rockies giants and of course nationals uh, that's that's playing 12 years in the big leagues is not nothing that's a very impressive collecting over a thousand hits uh, you mentioned the average is 275 it's a respectable career average so and then of course the world series ring on top of it that has a baby shark engraved <laughs> into it which is right. pretty funny so you know every time the nationals players look at their world series rings it's gonna have that baby shark on and they're gonna always think of gerardo para and uh you know i'm sure anytime he makes an appearance at nationals park both as you know as a front office member now uh, you'll hear Baby Shark being played throughout course of the stadium, which is pretty – could be annoying, but also oh, just yeah. fun, special to this team and that team and, and this city. So, But uh, congrats to Gerardo on a great career. Um, of course, the World Series and, and a new position with the Nationals. And you wonder what that special assistant you know, job with Mike mm-hmm. Rizzo means. My first guess would be, you know, something in the international market. Of course, Gerardo Parra, you know, came up through the big leagues through the international market. So, um, you know, it, we know the influence he had on the 2019 team, not just the team, but specifically the Latin players, the young Latin mm-hmm. players, Victor Robles, Juan Soto. Um, so I, I would imagine that he'll be touching a little bit on the international market for the Nationals, maybe the minor leagues, Dominican uh, uh, complex league. Uh, for the Nationals and, um, you know, having some kind of impact or influence on their young Latin players as they come up through the ranks and and try to make the big leagues. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's so fun to see all the different paths that these guys take in their careers, whether they end up getting into coaching or or get into front offices of this team. And I don't I don't know that I expected Gerardo Parra to be one, um, but I guess, you know, looking at it now, it kind of makes sense. And I think he'll have a positive influence, especially in the ways that you mentioned, um, the international market, minor leagues. I think it's a good, good, good position for him. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could you could say that like we weren't expect. I mean, he didn't seem like he was ready to retire, right? I mean, exactly. You know, he's he kind only of came out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, he's only thirty-five, so you know that's you know some careers end at that time, but other guys continue to play. Look at Nelson Cruz, you know, playing in his forties. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was clear that he was trying to still play. So like his love and passion for the game still existed. He still wanted to be around and try to play. Uh, so it's the fact that you know maybe he just you know i don't i'm at my point where my career i don't want to be riding triple a buses anymore but i still want to be around the game what can i do to step up at the at the front office level and and try to help out that way Mm so kind of interesting how that he just chose that and we knew that he still wanted to play because of course playing in spring training um and and the big big league camp but since it didn't work out that way he still sticks around um and is close to the game that he of course we we know so well how much he loves um is enthusiastic about it so good for gerardo his fight i I actually did see on instagram like a week or two ago that he posted a picture of him and his family in dc so he was in town and that's must have been you know visiting or checking in um getting that official assignment from mike rizzo or or job offer whatever you whoever you want to call it so it's cool that you know he's now 
you know, he played for one, two, three, four, five, six different teams, but he landed in D.C., and that's going to be his home from now on. Yeah, and I think it just shows you the mutual respect there. True. You know, if he wasn't going to make the team this year, the Nationals still found a way for him to be a, a part of this organization and an important part of that. So good for him. That just goes to show the kind of person he is and how the Nationals want him to stick around in this organization um, moving forward, even if it's not playing. So that's kind of the news and nuggets from of the weekend as the Nationals, like I said, wrapped up a three-city road trip out west, San Francisco, Denver, and Anaheim to face Anthony Rendon, who, of course, hit the walk-off <laughs> hit on Sunday afternoon uh, to score Shohei Atani to, to give the Nationals a loss. Uh, I, I thought it was hilarious. Before we get into our main talk, I thought it was hilarious that uh, Anthony Rendon has been talking to the D.C. media for the first time since the 2019 World Series. Um you know, mentioned like you know, it's not. I don't really care. It's not really that special. I, I, if maybe it were if we in, were DC. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe. But like, it's just another game, and that's like the most classic Anthony Rendon response ever. I, I just love that kind of canter from him. It's just like you know, it's just baseball. Like, there's no reason to get. He's also the guy that said baseball was boring, so it's yeah. like not surprising that Anthony Rendon just didn't really move the needle for him that he was facing the Nationals. Oh, right. You're talking about a guy who used to run from the media. Uh, from our, our literally experience. run. Yeah, literally run from our experience uh, with him and his time with the Nationals. And um, anytime you did get to talk to him, it was all like this kind of, you know, yeah. he doesn't ever get too amped up about anything um, because, yeah, baseball's boring. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was pretty on par for, for Anthony Rendon. I'm sure the Angels PR staff had to drag him out to talk uh-huh. to the DC media on Friday night for the first time. Um, but uh, yeah, cool to see um, Anthony Rendon again. Kind of poetic that he hit the walk off hit on Sunday. Um, let's get into uh, our surprising storylines. Uh, this for so far, where I'm like I said, about basically a month into the season, pretty good sample size. April's done. We're now into the second week of May. Got a homestand coming up, facing the Mets for the second time. Um, they're going to face the Astros this weekend for the first time since the World Series mm-hmm. in DC too. So that's going to be pretty exciting before they hit the road again. Um, Amy, what is one of your top storylines? from the first month of the season that has really caught your eye um, in a positive way. I think the biggest one is, I think Yadiel Hernandez has been such a pleasant surprise, um, especially as of late. He went 13 for 23 this road trip with five extra base hits. Um, He's hitting 365 this season with a 933 OPS. He's, I mean, anytime you have a team like this, that's not, you know, you have guys on this roster, you have guys that are playing every day that wouldn't traditionally either be on this roster or be playing every day if this was what's supposed to be a competitive team. Yadiel Hernandez is one of them. He was one of the last ones to make this roster out of spring training. And he's been such a pleasant surprise. And he's kept this offense alive on days or even, you know, this far in the season with a struggling Nelson Cruz, you know, with some some struggles of some other guys. So he's been a really pleasant surprise. You've seen him a whole lot more than I think originally expected because of the outfield situation. So, you know, good for him. I like what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yadiel Hernandez is hitting 365 on the season, an on-base percentage of 392, slugging 541, 933 OPS. That average, if he qualified, would be the second best in all of baseball behind only Manny Machado and just above Tyler Ward of the Angels, who we just saw. Um, and he's so close. He's not qualified. He's not a qualified league leaguer. Mm-hmm. You need to average 3.1 uh, plate appearances per games your team has played. Yadiel has only played in 20 games, so give him a couple more games. He might become qualified by the end of this week. 
because uh, he's at 20 games. He's at 74 played uh, at bats, 79 plate appearances. So he's getting up there the more and more he's playing because he's playing so much. Davey Martinez can't take him out of the lineup. <laughs> Whether you're playing him in left field or as the DH, if Nelson Cruz needs a breather, um, he just swings the bat. And we knew this, right? We knew this when he came up two years ago in 2020. We kept saying. Yadier Hernandez, all he does is hit. And David Martinez has said that from day one, too. He can hit. That's why he's here. A great left-handed bat. He hits both pitchers really well. Um, so he's getting to the point where it's a great surprise. I think I'm more surprised that, that he has just established himself as a must in this Nationals lineup, right? We thought there would be a lot more sharing between him, Lane Thomas, and Victor Robles. And he has established himself as, no, he is a must-start every single day right now um and also kind of shows why they picked him over anthony uh, andrew stevenson to be mm-hmm. that kind of fourth outfielder now he's now the second outfielder basically on his depth chart and what's he makes it even more exciting is that he's 34 years old mm-hmm. and he debuted when he was what 32 yeah. yeah 32 so that's you know that adds to the storyline and, and makes it even more exciting for Yadiel but you know if you can come up barely I won't say barely but you know be one of the last guys to make the opening day roster and then prove yourself to a point where your manager can't really take you out of the lineup he has to play you or he will look kind of silly uh, when you're producing like you are good for him it's good. I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now and you mentioned how late he debuted he was 32, almost 33. He'll be a free agent He because, he, you know, he's still mm-hmm. pre-arbitration eligible right now. He'll be a free agent when he's 40. <laughs> if he continue, you know, if he plays this much, because he won't be a free agent until 2027. He was born in 87, in October of 87. So that's just kind of like... Not cr- traditional. No, not, traditional. not at all. You would maybe never see that. <laughs> right. And, but then that, we talked about this too. It's just like, that's such a huge credit to him, just grinding it out and mm-hmm. waiting for his turn, his opportunity. And once he gets it, taking full advantage. I mean, like we said, he can hit. He's a career... 330, uh, sorry, 286 hitter and 333 on base percentage. That's going to play at the major league level. It's small sample size, only 144 career games. But like I said, 365 already this year in 20 games. He's just impossible to take him out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eric Fetty said, you know, that's the kind of guy you want on your team. Um, I know other teammates have said that about him. Of course, Davey Martinez um, uh, talked about Yadiel and his success. So, you know, good for him. It's been a pleasant storyline. And anytime you can, you know, hold on to these guys that – you didn't expect to do this well and they're surprising you it makes the season more fun he actually has reverse splits this season um hitting left-handers as a lefty batter at a 438 clip and right-handers at a 345 Mm. clip um and i mean he obviously has faced less lefties than righties especially early on when he wasn't playing so much coming off as a pinch hitter to face a right-handed pitcher mm-hmm. uh, 20 games versus or I guess I should do at 58 at bats 62 play appearances uh, against right-handed pitchers 17 played appearances 16 at bats against lefties but an OPS of over a thousand facing left-handed hitters so he's hitting from like I said both pitchers mm-hmm. uh, doesn't really matter who he's facing he's not a lefty specialist meaning you know you put him in against a right-hander uh he's hit and that's why he's getting starts right he's, he's just too good to keep as a pinch hitting option on the bench because he's hitting everybody and that's like you said that's what you want eric fetty said that's what you want um and now he's like you know if you're doing 
a depth chart of the Nationals outfield, it's Juan Soto, Yadiel Hernandez, everybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah, I mean, then, and when we were talking about the beginning of the season, whether we were debating on whether we thought Andrew Stevenson would get that spot or Yadiel, the difference was was that Yadiel can hit consistently and consistently. It's not, you know, just bring him off the bring him off the bench in a certain situation, a certain matchup. He deserves to be playing every day because he's hitting every day. So good for him. Um, that's exciting to see. And like you mentioned, those splits that just makes it all the more impressive. Um, you know, regardless of the numbers, how many he's he's seen of um, left-handers versus right-handers. So good for him. What's what's another uh, surprising su- surprise <laughs> storyline story to start line? the season yeah. for you, Bobby? In a positive aside way. From the audio. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's still the strength of this bullpen. I mean, it's not eye-popping numbers on the whole of it. I think you look at it. Um, we talked about how they made a significant jump last year. Uh, oh, well, from last year, but like we said, there wasn't really other any other way for them to go other than up. They were the second-worst bullpen in the majors, dead last in the National League. So their c- collective ERA right now stands at 409, which is 21st in the majors. Um, but you look at the pieces, and guys are having really solid seasons. Kyle Finnegan has established himself as, again, as that trusted late-inning high-leverage guy. I know he, you know, he's, no one's going to be perfect, right? No one's going to have a 0-0 ERA throughout the course of the season. He's had some ups and downs. I know he ran into some trouble in San Francisco, but he was fantastic this mm-hmm. weekend in, in Anaheim. Uh, so he's been really, really good to start. I know Rainey gave up his first blown save on Sunday to, to Anthony Rendon, like we just discussed, but he's been solid on the day. He, and, and we talked about, too, that they just might need more consistent outings. I, I wrote on MassInSports.com that they both say that they really need to get out there on a more consistent basis because they can't just sit around for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Finnegan's a little better at not pitching on a schedule, but Rainey says he really can't sit around for more than four days without throwing the ball. Uh, so just getting them more outings is turning around. But then you also have guys like Erasmo Ramirez, who had a really good outing over the weekend in Anaheim. I think he struck out two over the course of an inning. Um, Victor Arano, I, aside from, I think, one outing where he gave up four to the Giants, and then there, he, there's only other two outings where he gave up runs, and he's his ERA is a little bit inflated by that, but for the most part, he's putting up zeros, which is another good sign. A couple guys that they signed off, you know, the waiver wire or, or to minor league deals in spring training now making impact at the major league level. You're not relying so heavily on, you know, your mm-hmm. Austin Voths, Paulo Espino. I mean, they're they're coming in and doing cleanup duty when the game gets kind of out of control. Um, not so much Andres Machado's. And then you also look at the injuries that this bullpen has suffered. You know, Sean Doolittle's still out. Steve Shishek has had kind of an up and down start to the Nationals' career. He seems to maybe turn the ship a little bit as of late. Um, you know, Sam Clay no longer up here. Really struggling is up here. Hunter Harvey injured. So I think collectively as a whole, yes, the numbers aren't fantastic. They're not leading the league in anything that right off the page. But those pieces right there are putting together solid seasons. And it's the guys you want them to be. The, your Finnegan's, Rainey's, and then guys who you took a shot at and, and maybe hit find a diamond in the rough. And Ramirez and Arano. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've talked a lot about the A bullpen and the B bullpen, yeah. B bullpen but now what you're seeing is guys who are in the B bullpen start start to um, become more trusted like 
like you mentioned, Erasmo Ramirez, he threw two innings in relief on Sunday, I think it was. Um, and, you know, Davey Martinez trusted him in more of a high leverage situation and put him out there for two innings. So it's those guys that are stepping up, which that means you have to you don't have to rely on your top guys as much uh, prevents injuries, because as we know, they had to cut rosters down they lost two relievers and then of course there's some injuries so anytime you know some you can start to trust your Austin both Ramirez Arano a little bit more than you could at the beginning of the season that makes it easier for everybody and now they have kind of a more cohesive um, longer bullpen which is good to see especially when they were the worst in baseball last year yeah and then with the B side of it you know those guys are coming in when the game's getting kind of out of hand or they're trailing uh, we've seen a couple of times where <laughs> matters have gotten worse with them out there. But the idea is that hopefully as the season progresses, and we'll talk about this in a little bit too, but as starters get deeper into the game, you'll need those guys less and less. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the offense catches on fire. You'll be either battling in closer games or protecting leads more often than not. Um, and maybe the one other downside, like I, I mentioned Steve Shishak would be like he was kind of him and Sean Doolittle were your big off-season additions to the bullpen. Bullpen and Shishek has a 5.40 ERA in 13 games, an ERA of 1. Point, uh, sorry, a WHIP of 1.6. So that's not a great sign. Him being your offseason, but maybe he just needs to get moving, get going. 13 appearances to Finnegan's 12, votes 13, Arano's 13. So he's up there in appearances. He's just mm-hmm. not putting it all together. So that might be the one downside you see in this bullpen so far mm-hmm. is that your big, quote unquote, big name free agent signing this offseason has kind of struggled out of the game. Right, right. And then looking at starters, you kind of touched on it at the beginning, but, you know, a surprise there is that, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about, you know, who's going to get that fifth starter role? You know, who are we going to put in there? Then you had to deal with injuries, and it's like, how are we going to fill this rotation completely? And now we're looking at where you have really, like, six guys who could be starting and could be in this rotation, which, I mean, obviously they're not Steven Strasburg, they're not Joe Ross, but there's still guys competing for a spot in this rotation, which is nice to see because you want to have more guys going out for those those roles than you know not having enough to fill the spots. Yeah, you've seen Patrick Corbin have a couple of better outings the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Josiah Gray has been fantastic. Yoana Don, um, gives and takes. You know, it's up and down for him a little bit, but still giving you outings. You know, I mean, he hasn't left the rotation yet, so they're still trusting to throw him out there. Um, and then, of course, you've got Eric Fetty still <laughs> chugging along in his whatever role he, the Nationals ask <laughs> of him. Uh, and then, you know, you've got Aaron Sanchez, who's been a, a pretty decent find. Another guy, he pitched really well that second time against the Giants in San Francisco. Um, another minor league signing that you now have turned into a, a piece in the rotation. Uh, you've bumped Josh Rogers to the bullpen where he's had some success. Paulo Espino, we know, has made emergency starts for them in the past. So you've got a lot of guys that can make starting starts for you. Mm-hmm. And, and and starters have gotten deeper in the game, kind of like I mentioned. I think they averaged just over five innings per outing over this road trip, whereas going into it, they were only averaging like four. Like, yeah, exactly. Which is, that's what you want to see. Where we keep talking about that is you want to see these starters go deep and in, deeper into games, build their, I mean, I don't even know if at this point it's a matter of building their arms up for some of these guys, but, you know, not getting into trouble early on. And that's what's going to make the difference for both these starters individually. And then, of course, the bullpen putting less, less pressure on them. Yeah, I don't know if it's, I, I agree with you. I don't know if it's building up 
arm strength anymore because uh, we've seen some of these guys get close to 100 pitches in their mm-hmm. outings. I think it's more being efficient with their pitches and, and getting quicker outs. Um, doesn't always have to be by strikeout. Ground balls work too. Flyouts are great. Getting efficient innings, quick innings, and getting deeper into the game, that's how you get it. It's not just about pitch count anymore because I think they're – a month in, at the point they where should, they yeah, should be this 100%. was probably the right. They should have been like you know a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. had they had a normal spring training. So, and then like you talk about Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross, you bring them up again. They're still a ways away, at least a month, because they're not eligible to come out to the IL until June, anyways. But once they are ready, and whether that's in June or July, whenever, then that's like that's a lot of guys that can start now. So you know you would think that. Possibly Aaron Sanchez would be one of the guys that maybe Johanna Don struggles and he gets optioned down. You, you would think Josiah Gray staying, uh, Patrick Corbin staying, and I would I would even venture to say that Eric Fetty would find mm-hmm. a way to stay. Um, but then you also what about guys like Josh Rogers and Paulo Espino in the bullpen? Do they stay there? If you want them back out as starters, you could send Rogers back down to Rochester. Where does Kay Cavalli fit in all this? So it is a lot of starting pitchers. I mean, right now it's good because you need innings to be eaten up and you want some long relief in the bullpen when necessary, but there's going to come to a point in a couple of weeks, months, that you're going to need yeah, – we still expect Kay Cavalli to make his debut this year. I don't think it's going to be as early as we anticipated mm-hmm. beginning of the season, but then you also have guys like Strauss and Ross that are going to be ready to go but come back. And that's going to be a lot of starting pitchers. Not a bad problem to have. It's right. just going to be who's going to be the odd man now will be interesting to see. Right. It's an ever-changing uh, puzzle. You know, mm-hmm. trying to they're dealing with injuries, so they're trying to, you know, put together a, a bullpen and a rotation to deal with that. And in the meantime, you're trying to work about you're, – you're worrying about guys' individual performances and individual development like Kate Cavalli, who I think they probably expected to debut – the first half of this season we think who knows um but you know he has kind of struggled out the gate this season so it'll be interesting to see how this all shapes up especially once you get Strasburg back Joe Ross um where Kate Cavalli factors in and then the, what they'll do with the guys there in the bullpen that are expected to be starters moving forward yeah I don't want to sound like too down on Cade Cavalli and, and his potential to join the rotation we talked to Kyle Glazer last year but oh, last year last week of Baseball America and he still says look this stuff is electric yeah, he's mm-hmm. struggling right now, but you know he'll be up eventually, and he has the best chance of any of the Nationals' top prospects to make an impact at the major leagues this season. Not just debut, but make an impact. So, you know, he's still fine-tuning things, working on his off-speed stuff, working on throwing strikes more consistently. He's had real trouble of late throwing consistent strikes. I think his last couple of outings, he threw not even half of his total pitches for strikes, which is a concern or red flag. And, you know, I've mentioned before, Davey's not going to bring that up. I mean, not that it's Davey's call, but they're not going to bring mm-hmm. him up if they're not throwing strikes. Davey already takes umbrage when guys on the Major League roster who have been around for years don't throw strikes. I don't think he's going to let a young kid, a young pitcher that at that kind of just struggle up here when he's not going to be able to throw consistent strikes just for the fun of it. Right. I mean, the stuff is good, like you said, and we wouldn't even, I mean, he's only two years out of college. We wouldn't even be having this conversation about his debut this year if the Nationals wouldn't have moved him along so quickly. Right. But they moved him up to AAA last year, started this year in AAA, and, you know, he's still making an adjustment on how to pitch to major league hitters and kind of figuring it all out at the AAA level. So, yeah, definitely not down on him. The Nationals moved him along quickly, yeah. and we're having this conversation way sooner than, I think we thought we would. Yeah, and he, and he deserved that, right? I mean, oh, he was sure. pu- he led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year. He was putting away um, 
uh, batters at Wilmington and Harrisburg with ease. It's the Rochester AAA guys that he's having struggle with. When, like you said, he's still a young guy, a couple years removed from college. He only started pitching in his sophomore or junior year at Oklahoma. So he's still a young pitcher, not just professional player. So it's it's okay that he's struggling right now. And to, I mean, he still has okay. He's had a pretty decent outings. I mean, I think he had one scoreless outing, even though he walked like five guys mm-hmm. a while ago. Um, so, I, and the other thing is his home run numbers aren't too high and his walks are actually down this year, which is a good sign for Kate Cavalli. So getting there, it's just not, we, I think we both guessed what June debut for him mm-hmm. this year. And that probably won't happen. I, as my guess, it might be till after the all-star break yeah. is probably the high likely scenario. Now um, back to the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned Yadiel Hernandez being a surprising star. This might not be as surprising, but I think just the at the sure volume that and, and consistency is coming at is is surprising. Josh Bell has just been on an absolute tear this year, start of the season, and this is the Josh Bell we mentioned that the Nationals traded for uh, a couple years ago on, on Christmas Eve. Um, I think I, I I keep not wanting to play this what if game, but like you know, what if he did not get COVID last year and he would have been like this start the season because he was killing it at the end of 2021 spring training before he went on the COVID IL and then really we know his struggles through uh, April and May turned around late May and now we're in early May and he's one of the best hitters in the league in all of baseball right now he does qualify to be the fourth best hitter in terms of average tied for fourth in all of baseball with Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox at 343 average um, on base percentage of 442 slugging 529 for a 971 OPS to go along with his four homers and 21 RBIs absolutely killing the ball for Josh Bell and that's a great sign because the Nationals uh, really need him to with everyone else kind of struggling yeah exactly that 442 on base percentage is the third best in all of baseball and you know if you, you look at these numbers they're like three times as good as they were at this point last year so that's it really makes you wonder how Josh Bell would have started last year you know had he not gotten sick um, but in, in finished the year on a stronger note but they need him to both be a positive spot in this lineup because there's some other guys struggling and they need it if they are thinking about dealing him at the trade deadline. Yeah. This is the kind of start they needed so that they at least have that option, you know, come July that they could deal him if, if they want and the results are there uh, to put together a, a deal. And we kind of mentioned this too in that conversation is that Josh Bell could make this a difficult decision to trade him mm-hmm. if he plays really well. His value will be high. But you could also try to want to extend him and make him your long-term first baseman if you're planning on jumping back into contention uh, within the next year or two. Um, the Nationals are 10 games below 500, I think, right now. They're 10-20 and 20, uh, for the first time in a long, long time. So the record and the standings aren't great. Um, but who knows? You know, we, we saw last year how Kyle Schwarber carried them through mm-hmm. the month of June, and they were right back in it before everything kind of fell apart in July. Not saying that Josh Bell can repeat that feat, but he is playing at a level where with him, the way he's swinging the bat and the way that Juan Soto is getting on base in front of him, the Nationals offense should not be out of too many games uh, like we saw them last year when they were really struggling. And it's interesting that, not interesting, I think it was the right right move, but that 
Bell has earned the bump up to the number mm-hmm. three hitter ahead of Nelson Cruz because Nelson Cruz has been struggling. Yeah, exactly. Nelson Cruz has kind of been the opposite end of that spectrum. He's hitting 157 with just three home runs this season. The Nats- Nationals averaged six and a half runs or this every game this road trip, and Nelson Cruz wasn't a part of that. And that's somebody that you signed to be your everyday DH. You're paying him a good amount of money, and I think the plan was there that he is a good first half of the season. You can trade him. It all works out perfectly, but with the start that he's gotten to this season, it's not what you want to see both for the Nationals and, and their lineup and for what could happen at the trade deadline. And it's, it's unusual for Nelson Cruz to kind of have this slow start to the season. Over his career, he's a 276 hitter with an 882 OPS in the months of April and March combined. So it's not like this is a normal thing. We're like, oh, yeah, Cruz, is he's a slow starter. Mm-hmm. Once the warm weather gets in here, the, his balls start flying out of the yard. Now he, he's typically been a great power hitter no matter what. Um, he's hit 75 home runs, 229 RBIs. That's more than his May numbers in April and March in his career. So... Yes, the warm weather will help him once it does warm it up a little bit. And, you know, it's going to be warm this week in D.C., so maybe you'll see it. But, you know, this is not the Nelson Cruz that the Nationals signed, much like we said about Josh Bell this time last year. So you hopefully that it does turn around a little bit because then that really makes that Soto, Bell, Cruz, whatever combination you want to put behind Soto, really dangerous. And then hopefully opens up the lineup even more behind them with like Caber Ruiz, Michael Franco, mm-hmm. whoever's hitting uh, behind those guys. Yeah, exactly. I think his start is a big surprise um, to a lot of people. And what makes it 10 times worse is that you signed him to be a designated hitter. Yeah. That is his job. I think if he is any other position player and was having these struggles at the plate, you can kind of deal with it a little bit more. But when that is his only job, <laughs> um, it just, you know, amplifies his struggles. So. The only three home runs, the 14 RBIs you mentioned, um, he struck out 23 times to only 13 walks. On-base percentage is only 250 right now. So not a great month of the season for Nelson Cruz, which is surprising. Like we said, thought that that would be a little bit better of a signing, pay more immediate dividends um, yet to be seen right now for the Nationals and Davey Martinez's squad. Kind of flip over to the guy we'd also just mentioned right there is Juan Soto. Now you can – I think you can make an argument you can put him in either one of these categories in terms of it's it's a surprising start in a bad way or a good way. I'm going to lead towards more of a good way in that he seems like he's turned his season around. The overall, like, fancy numbers, like the home runs, actually he does now lead the team with home runs <laughs> with six, but the RBIs aren't there. We're used to seeing him score more runs. Guys at the bottom of the lineup and uh, Cesar Hernandez at the top of the lineup aren't getting on base for him. That's why we're seeing him score more runs. Exactly, That's who Josh yeah. Bell's driving in as he leads the team in RBIs with 21. Um, but Soto's only hitting 257. That is an improvement, actually, from like about a week ago when he was hitting like in the 240s. Um, but the on-base percentage, almost 400. The OPS, 864. Uh, I think he still leads the league in walks at 24. He's walking more than he's striking out. So in that sense, he's more like Juan Soto that we've come accustomed to. But and, and the average is going to continue to climb. It's just like those like sexy numbers of home runs and RBIs aren't as high as we probably expected. Them yeah, to be. exactly. You're starting to see him hit the ball in the air a little bit more, which is good. And this is similar to the start that we saw him have last year. He kind of had a slow start to the season. He wasn't hitting in the ball in the air. He was grounding out more than he had in his career. So it's you're seeing those small improvements here. Um, but it's a lot like last year in Juan Soto's start to last year. So you would hope that, like we mentioned with kind of Cruz and with Bell hitting behind him, I mean, that's 
part of the reason you also bump up Bell mm-hmm. is because then you hopefully get Soto more good pitches to look at driving the ball. Um, and that might have played a small effect in the recent kind of surge we've seen from Juan. Um, but the problem again, I mean, I think he's only got eight RBIs on the season, six home runs. I think most of those are solo shots. So he is driven in, driving, driving in himself more often than not than anyone else on base. So that's not a good sign. You need to get guys on base for Juan mm-hmm. Soto to help when those big pops come they are impactful in that they are two run three run shots uh, not just solo shots yeah and you you saw kind of an improvement across this lineup um on this road trip you know they scored a lot more runs hit a lot more home runs you saw that you know these bats start to get hot so hopefully they can carry that into this series against the Mets this week and you can still you start to see these small improvements um from your guys like Juan Soto you hope you start to see small improvements in guys like Nelson Cruz um and Yadiel Hernandez and those guys who have been surprises can keep it up because sometimes you know it's just a you know, a, a glimmer of hope and, you know, they can't do it consistently. So hopefully it all starts to click here. Soon. Yeah. Well, let us know what you think of what surprised you so far this season in the comment section, whether you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube. And like Amy said, you can catch the Nationals cover up against the Mets all week long against uh, on Masson. Seven o'clock starts tonight and on Wednesday, one o'clock start in the afternoon on Thursday before the Astros come to town this weekend. Also on Masson. Amy. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, you went to Harrisburg, or sorry, Bowie last week to talk mm-hmm. to the Harrisburg players. Uh, and what did you glean from the, talking to some of those guys? Yeah, I mean, two of the guys that I talked to are pitching prospects in Cole Henry, the Nationals' number three prospect, and then Evan Lee, who, if you remember, the Nationals added to their 40-man roster um, this offseason to protect him from what would have been the Rule 5 draft. They're off both off to really good starts this year. Cole Henry's only given up one run and four hits in his 15 innings so far this year. Um, Evan Lee uh, carried on, you know, he had a ton of, I think he led Nationals minor leaguers in um, strikeouts last year. He's continued that success this year. So they both kind of talked about what's been working for them this year and what they hope to get out of the rest of the season. We're joined now by Nationals prospect Cole Henry. Cole, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Happy to be here. Cole, you're off to an awesome start to the season. In your first 13 innings, you've only given up three hits and haven't allowed a run yet. What's been working for you? Uh, Just a little bit of everything. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with just me going a few innings at a time. Um, Right now, I kind of got the training wheels on, but uh, as soon as I'm uh, allowed to go a little bit more innings, I'm sure I'll give up some runs. But uh, right now, everything's feeling really good and, um, you know, can't complain about how my last four starts have gone. So hopefully keep it going. I know you've made some mechanical changes to avoid any further injuries so far. What did this offseason look like? Did you make any more mechanical changes? Did you work on any pitch design stuff? Uh, for me, it was mostly just, um, you know, putting on some good weight, uh, getting stronger, uh, making sure that my body can withstand a full season, um, and, you know, just making sure that I can get out here every five days and, and be the best uh, version of myself. So, um, yeah, just mostly strength-based stuff this offseason. Your breaking balls come a long way. You were using your changeup a lot. What's been your go-to pitch so far this season? Uh, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, as a starter, I need at least three pitches every every time I'm out there. So as long as I can keep my changeup and breaking ball pretty good, my fastball is usually pretty consistent. So um, everything works off of that. And so far, it's been working great. So, yeah, everything's been feeling really good. You mentioned the ability to pitch every five days. What are some of your other goals for the rest of this season? Um, I mean, definitely just throwing the whole season and, uh, 
you know, being able to get good hitters out. I love facing really good competition. So uh, this lineup we're facing this week is pretty dang good. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. And, you know, just getting out there every week with my teammates and um, just trying to win. That's, that's the biggest thing. 0-2. Strike three call. Got him looking. Soft one, letter high. This offseason, the Nationals protected you from what would have been the Rule 5 draft by adding you to their 40-man roster. Did that give you a certain level of confidence about your, your future in this organization? Oh, absolutely. I mean, anytime that, that you get a commitment like that, I mean, it's huge for your confidence and just building into a, the next season. Like, hey, all right, you got a, you got a good chance to make the big league, big league team at some point during the year. So uh, the offseason was great. Just having that in mind, the focus was, hey, I got to be the best that I could be going into this season. And, and get a chance to live a lifelong dream. You were a two-way player in college, and then 2021 was your first year as a full-time starter. What has that adjustment been like? It's been uh, a little bit just uh, from having to having to be a position player for most of my time and not very not very much time dedicated to pitching uh, to now you're full-time pitching and so there's a lot more time to be able to perfect your craft to just to be able to work on your mechanics work on uh, just the little little nuances of, of pitching and I feel like early on in last season it was kind of a learning curve uh, just learning how to eat innings learning how to get deep into games and and things of that nature but uh, I feel like I'm I'm way more prepared this year going into this season than I was last year and uh, it's been able to to get me out of jams and to uh, keep me calm out there compared to just kind of like a fish out of water last year not knowing really as a starter how do I how do I navigate uh, through trouble and things like that and so it was it's it's been awesome. Speaking of going deep into games in your last outing on Sunday you went five innings which is the most you've gone all year and your outing before that you had five strikeouts so what was working in your last two outings? Oh just a lot I, I attacked the zone early that was the biggest thing not get a hit not get behind hitters and then just being able to to land off-speed pitches when I do get behind and and just attack the attack the strike zone uh, that's the biggest thing I feel like uh, the first few outings I I really struggled with command kind of had some mechanical issues in there that I had to had to uh, get right and I feel like I'm on the up and coming for um, for continuing the progress that I've had in these last two starts uh, just gotta go out there and uh, give my team the best chance to win and, and go as long in the game as I can save the bullpen after we see Kate Cavalli these are two guys that we might see um, you know up soon with the Nationals um, Evan Lee probably a little bit further along even though he's not as high on the prospect list um, but that was Cole Henry there first and then and then Evan Lee yeah you can catch Amy's minor league coverage uh, more thoroughly on Mass and All Access on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page YouTube channel all over our social media channels so be sure to check that out and of course follow her at Amy Jennings News I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco you can follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts and SoundCloud we are of course brought to you by Northern Virginia Community College Nova makes college better learn more at boldynova.com next week we'll be back I will be in Miami covering the Nationals on the three-game trip. So Amy will have you covered from here to the desk. I'll be joining on via Zoom, and uh, we'll have more Nationals baseball to discuss. Thank you so much to Brendan Mortensen for producing the show, and thank you for you for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.